Today's podcast is brought to you by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. And today we again visit the core of what it's all about, the markets, the prices for livestock, the whys and the wherefores, what's up and what's down. And I can tell you there's been plenty of that lately. Let's welcome in our regular market gurus from Thomas Elder Markets, Matthew Dalgleish, and from Stocko, Chris Howie. Uh, welcome, men. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, uh, Kerry. Good, and, Kerry. How are you? Look, uh, men, I hardly know where to start. Uh, biosecurity, another pandemic chapter, inflation, interest rates, Ukraine, Russia. But, uh, let's start where it really matters with the nitty-gritty, and that's prices. Chris, you mentioned in a note recently, panic selling. Uh, was that a one-off or is it still happening? No, it's still happening, Kerry. Um, predominantly in the lamb market, um, you know, everyone's just saying calm down. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though a lot of people are trying to liquidate their position in case foot and mouth disease comes into the country. But what it's done is driven the lamb market uh, significantly down, you know, from probably $7.80 down towards $5. I know, it's um, And what's happening yeah. is the processes can't just can't handle the volumes at present. Yeah. Um, Matty, you seen any evidence of panic selling? Yeah, that's exactly the same. We're seeing it across in the beef space as well. You know, everything's kind of softer. And I've had a, a swag of people over the last few weeks, you know, the first question they ask is, is everyone worried about FMD? So clearly they are. Um, I, I felt that it might have been a combination of, you know, grain pricing and difficulty with labour and, you know, all the inflationary aspects you spoke about with fuel pricing. There's just all these added pressures. But, it seems as though this, this kind of concern around FMD is, is really weighing on the market. And, and it's at an uncharacteristic time as well, you know, particularly like Chris was saying for the lamb, lamb job. Normally this time in the season, you, you know, you've, you've got prices rising because of the tight supply, but it seems like everyone's trying to offload. Chris, so when you put your foot on the rail in the sale yards, what's the chatter about? Oh, it's the unknown. I, I think we've eventually got some momentum in understanding, which is a good thing. But uh, there's a lot of a lot that are very reserved about stepping into the market. And all I can say at present, where the market's gone to, why it's there, makes no difference. There's some real opportunities on cattle and sheep to get back in. And no no loss on a trade is crystallised unless you step away from that trade. And, you know, we're, we're trying to let people know that there is a real upside in this. We've got numbers coming on. We've got a season in front of us. We're not, we're not pulled up by lack of feed. And I think to buy... Well, light heifers or, or lambs going into the spring and carry them through till Christmas. There's a real quid to be made. Auctions Plus has been uh, seen little a little bit red ink lately, um, and for, but the clearance rates are very very low. I don't know whether that's uh, symbol uh, symbolic of anything. So we tend to find that with Auctions Plus, Kerry, on a rising market, it's an extremely good platform. It's uh, it's responsive. Uh, you can put reserves in, and normally your reserves get beaten. On a falling market or a dry time. So normally we see it when you start to get that really hot weather and the seeds running away quickly. Yeah. Um, Auctions Plus can tend to struggle to keep up with the drop in the market. So the reserves set two days ago, all of a sudden are above where the market sits. And that comes back to being nimble as an agent. Uh, when you list, you've actually got to look at what their value is at the end of this week, not what their value is today. And that, that does change the dynamic. And Auctions Plus has always been responsive in that manner. 
you've been both mentioned the fundamentals. I mean, there's plenty of free feed around. The markets appear to be pretty good. Uh, is the price dive? Uh, the cr- price dive is across the board, but is it really just down to the FMD scare, or is it some people reflecting maybe it's time for a balance in the market and uh, which way they've been talking about for some time now? Or is it, or is it largely FMD based? I, I think certainly, I think the this catalyst of this move has been concerns around disease. I think that's just been an added an added added issue. Um, I think people are also, like I said before, in the feedlot space, you know, margins, I think, are tight with, with feed grain, where that's been sitting because of international factors. Um, there's the other inflationary pressures I mentioned, but there's also, you know, you're saying we've, had a good, we've got a good season in front of us, but that's the third good season kind of in a row in the eastern seaboard that we've seen. Um, anyone that, you know, looks at the weather and, and climate on a longer-term basis would be starting to think how many more good seasons are left before we start to go to a normal or a dry season, right? Well, too, so, too good so, to be true, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and so then when you've got if you've got this level of uncertainty and and yeah the risk factors for FMD has gone up but not by a lot it's gone from nine percent risk assessment of it getting in in the next five years to eleven point six percent now that it's in Bali, okay. um, so yeah so, so that 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 when you look at it from that perspective and and we've got to remember too we've kept this disease out for decades it's been in a lot of countries to our north for many many years that have travellers coming through. So I think that the price reaction presently is a bit over, is a bit of an overreaction. But I mean, that's a difficult thing to say because people are well aware of um, if, if it does get in, it could be disastrous for, for pricing, obviously. Um, but you know, it seems like we've already kind of started the process of, of selling before we've even got the disease here. We're seeing uh, two stories. So we've got the north where you've got the the numbers of live export cattle have pretty much come to a halt. So they're starting to push into the normal sell down the north, you know, July, August, you know, a lot of trade, a lot of heavy cattle coming in, cows and so forth. Um, and then we go into the south, which what Matt said before, normally this is the time of the year where the market takes a bit of a lift, but we have got a big lambing. And this is the first time in five years we've seen numbers of lambs coming onto the market because we had three years of drought and then we had two years of rebuild. And all of a sudden we're at the level where good lambing and they're ready to sell. I think the sheep herd numbers just announced it's gone up two or three million in the last year or so, hasn't it? No, I think more than that actually. The, yeah. the expectation is for something like a six or a seven percent gain. Um, so we're getting right up there um, into the into the mid seventies, four millions. I think. Yeah, I'll get on to lambs yeah. more in a moment, uh, Chris. Uh, the, those live export uh, figures that you the live export that you j- just mentioned. Those cattle that were headed out on um, sea voyage are they heading being pushed south at all? Do you know? Yeah, so what we're seeing is um, is a lot more cow is being directed. You know, those, those sort of slaughter-type cows that have been going out traditionally, they were the first ones to start to move south. Uh, we see yesterday that the southern uh, southern processes of, of in the Queensland, so, you know, O'Connor's and Midfield, that happens every year at this time of year because the numbers dry off in the south. But the supply is definitely moving south for those stocks that have been mustered and need to be moved because they can't hang on to them and hope a ship appears. Yeah, I think lot feeders would be pretty keen on the situation at present, wouldn't they? They'd be quite selective in the in the steers they're looking for now rather than taking what's offered. Oh, very selective. And um, and a lot of feedlots are no quote or they've adjusted their rate to, you know, be able to pick the eyes out of the market. And, and look, that's just the normal driver behind. But again, it all links back to foot and mouth disease. Yeah, wow. It's amazing, isn't it, when we keep talking about how safe we are and 
the chances of, as Matty just mentioned, just over 11%. That, incidentally, that 11%, is that an opinion or is that an algorithm, Matt? <laughs> it's a, it is, a, is it to a degree, it's an opinion. It's a, it's a group of, I guess, experts in the field that come together and determine what they perceive to be the, the most likely chance of risk. I don't, I, I'm not sure exactly of the, of the mathematical background to it, but um, yeah, it, it, it's a group of people very much in the know and very experienced in the sector that kind of determine what they say feel the risk factor is. I don't know how they come to the 11.6 specifically, though. Same as measuring sharks, Kerry. It's either 4.8 <laughs> metres or it's five feet. <laughs> I've never been close enough to get down to a point on a shark. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the uh, so-called deal for Ukraine to put some uh, wheat into the market, will that impact grain prices in Australia or indeed with what feedlots are paying or has that a big bow to bend? I think I think most yeah. of that wheat is actually heading, headed for North Africa, isn't it? Or Yeah, that's right. It's trying yeah. to allay some of those concerns around feed insecurity in those countries. But I think even looking at the deal, it, it, it's really only for 120 days. Um, and so that's not a great deal of time. It, yeah, there is some grain in storage at the port there. Um, that, that could get get out if it was able to get out, but we've got to realise that within I think less than 24 hours of the deal being struck, which which both parties signed different documents, mind you, because they couldn't come to an agreement. Um, <laughs> so within within less than 24 hours, the Russian missile strike had already hit the port in question. Um, so you know, there's a lot of uh, I guess suspicion around whether Russia are going to allow it to happen. Even if we do get some flow happening, though, just from what's in port. It's not going to alleviate the ability for they're, – they're coming up to their harvest over there in Ukraine, um, and obviously there's a lot of workers there that are fighting in the military instead of on the back of a tractor. Um, there's also you know, battles ongoing and missiles heading into paddocks and starting fires, so instead we're trying to you know, harvest in the middle of missile attacks and fires. Um, it's not going to be easy to transport it from farm to port. Um, I don't think many people would want to, want to be driving a truck in that environment. You're a pretty big target. Um, so you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors there that I think are going to make it difficult. You know, I think a lot of lot of this kind of negotiation between Russia and Ukraine about getting movement of grain out of port is probably more window dressing than anything that's going to yeah. really make a big difference to, so, to the global price. So yeah. what are you saying? Believe it when you see it when it uh, when it hits the deck in um, in, in Libya or somewhere wherever it's supposed to go to. Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be a little bit of a trickle and not enough to probably really make a difference to what's happening with pricing. Um, yeah. From a, that's a global price. From an Australian perspective, though, most of what we've been seeing has been just the basis between the local price to the global price moving around. So um, I don't think it's going to flow through necessarily to significantly lower prices here at any event. Time for a uh, brief message from our sponsors, Alenco Animal Health. You're on the grill with B Central. This podcast is brought to you by CompuDose, a proven way to maximise growth rates in grass-fed cattle. CompuDose allows you to target and achieve specifications for most major markets, including MSA grading and feedlots. Contact Alanco and find out how CompuDose can grow your beef operation. Results may vary depending on nutrition. Always read and follow label directions. We're back on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, market gurus, Matty Dalgleish from Thomas Elder Markets and Chris Harry from Stockco. I've just got some uh, quotes in from the uh, big sale at uh, Roma being the biggest sale yard in Australia. The Eki from the results of that sale down 68 cents for the week, now 8.85. It was up to close to 1,200 at one stage, wasn't it? 
And the yep. uh, the feed, yep. feed of steer price yesterday dropped again, 26 cents. It's down 44 cents on this time last year. So that's not much really, is it? Cows uh, lost a little bit and they're 40 cents down on this time last year. I was just going, I've been watching the heavy steer is the one that I look at as well. Yeah. And, and that's been a curious one because we, we saw it dip under kind of 400 and then it rallied again to 450 when everything else is still going down. I thought that's peculiar. Yeah. But just in the last few days, it's kind of took a bit of a dive again. So we're back down under 400, about 380 for the heavy steers. That's the lowest the heavy steers been in, oh gosh, years, I think. I've got these MLA prices, Chris, from uh, on the trade lambs. 85 cents down for the week. $2.75 yeah. down for the year, thank you. Restocker lambs yeah. $1.16 down for the week. $4 a kilo down on this time last year. Yeah, right. The- the last time we saw a reaction this quick was twenty this time in twenty twenty on that uh, on that COVID panic. Yeah, and we had five weeks where the market went back to five dollars sixty, and then seven five weeks later it was back up at seven eighty or seven sixty. What we've seen is a lot of lambs that are three weeks away from being finished. We understand New South Wales has had you know wet areas; they really haven't performed, but the lambs have been pushed onto the market, and the knock-on effect on that is that that lamb's pushing through into the red meat sector and it's actually starting to impact the uh, the red meat values on the other end. So it's not just about the processor unloading, that the uh, sorry, the, uh, the producer unloading, the processors are also starting to be impacted as well. So the, the processors dearly want the supply to be spread out. Yeah. They're, they're struggling with COVID and flu through their workforces, but they don't want a glut of lambs. It, it doesn't benefit them either. Yeah. Now, I believe, and I, I base this on your mention to me uh, last week or so, that our lamb trade to the United States is booming. Is that right? If that's continuing, why are we doing this? Uh, why are we seeing this price avalanche? Well, we, we just can't kill them. Uh, we just haven't got the capacity to get them through work. So, um, one of the major processes there, one of their big works comes back online on Monday, being closed for maintenance. Normally, August, they've got three weeks where they're struggling to find kill. You know, buy them this morning, truck them this afternoon. At present, August, on most processes, I think all processes, is fully committed for August. Lamb has really created, it used to be a bit of a secondary in the US. Now it's a niche market. It's nearly, it's heading towards what Wagyu's like. You know, you go out to a function and lamb is what people are looking for. So the marketing side has been excellent. What we've got to do is just, is just straighten out the supply dynamics a bit. The other, the other aspect there, Kerry, is, is and we did, we didn't see it last year in the US. They had a really strong flows in uh, in the middle of the year last year, which is very uncharacteristic as well for the US. Usually, as Chris is saying, the lamb's like a, a fancy dish you eat in a restaurant uh, occasion. Um, they don't tend to cook it much at home. So this time of the year in the US is what's referred to as the grilling season. They do a lot of you know barbecues or cookouts as they call them, yeah. and most of that would be beef type product and sausage and, and pork and all that kind of you know summer food. They, they consider that lamb to really be one that they'd have when they're going out. And, and so historically, the lamb flows to the US usually are lower in winter, um, you know, just because of that that factor that they switch across to other types of meats in this time of the year. There's some pretty smart advertising being done in the US. I saw yeah. a uh, an advert. Uh, at the start of the month for um, it was National Onion Ring Day and for the lamb burger. And I'm, I was thinking, pardon. Oh, I, did, did, did they yeah, have so, National Onion Ring Day in America? Yeah. Okay. So in the US, they had National Onion Ring Day and uh, uh, TFI put out a promotion on social media for the lamb burger. And I actually thought, 
when are they going to start selling it in Australia? Because it just looked the, looked the real real deal. Hamburger. Now, um, word is that the the processes are booked through it, sold at Antle Spring. Is that how you said? Is it a labour supply problem? This issue with the uh, the lack of space in the works. Oh, look, Matt, Matt would know this as well. If yeah. the process is under a supply uh, a glut like we've got at present, in the past would have put on an extra shift. So you would have you'd have you know, two shifts running, whether it be beef or lamb, um, they haven't got the workers. They just cannot find them. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And that, look, that's, and they've been saying that, you know, for a while too, that, you know, and, and I think we've spoken about it before, that, yeah. you know, up, up until this most recent period now, you know, we have been seeing lower than normal supply coming through because of what was happening in the market and the rebuild and, and, and that. But, you know, they were saying that when we do get back to this stage where there's more coming on, they haven't got the numbers, and this is what we're seeing now. There's the reactions are not having the people, not having the staff on the ground. Um, it, you know, it's, it's making a real big supply chain block. And looking at numbers last week, the the four five seven visa, they they showed at a peak of eighty eight thousand. I think it's down to just around thirty thousand. We've we've got a huge number of what you would call those industry processing industry workers that just don't don't exist and whether they be shearers or processing industry whatever they're just not here oh look i keep hearing from governments and i'm sure you hear the same message that oh we're going to do something we'll fix it we'll fix it and nothing seems to happen it, it, it does take time and i mean i think we spoke about too in previous episodes that the some of the the, the workers they'd got in um in that processing space from the pacific island samoa and tonga and stuff you know, they took a lot longer to train than what was anticipated as well and yeah. get them up to scratch compared to some of the other four, five, sevens that they were getting for the likes of the Philippines and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 yeah, I mean, even it, you can't, sometimes you can't just put your fingers and have, make it happen, you know, particularly when you've got to have training and, and people getting used to a particular yes. role. So, um, you know, that, that's part of the delays as well that we're facing across yeah. lots of supply chains. Time for a quick break, and this time we're hearing from our podcast partner, Kelly's Finance Group. Established since 1988, Kelly's Finance Group have the finance solutions when it comes to agribusiness lending, from property loans and livestock funding to machinery and vehicle finance. They are the experts in arranging finance on behalf of their clients that not only ensures market-leading interest rates, but more importantly, financing that is suited to your agricultural operations, not your lender's bottom line or their preferred security position. With access to an array of specialist and traditional finance providers, there's no job too big or too small for the Kelly's Finance Group team. Contact Kelly's Finance Group today for an independent and confidential discussion on how we can add value to your business moving forward. You're back on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, market gurus, Matty Dalgalish from Thomas Elder Markets and Chris Harry from Stockco. So getting back to FMD, the way it's being handled, and I'll just brush this quickly because we've heard enough about it, I think. Is, is the, uh, the program, be, is, is it being handled correctly by at government level, do you think, or they, should they be doing something correctly, or can you suggest something that they might do? I, I, my thoughts are we took too long to activate. Yeah. So we've, we've been given lead time, and government's got up to speed, and they've had their meetings, and they've done whatever. If you imagine if it walked in and we weren't ready for it, I think it wouldn't have been a very good day. Um, We've got to become a lot faster. We'd already had our shot with um, African swine fever. We knew we should have had an awareness. We had varroa. Varroa mite, 
we know how bad that is in the bee industry. We should have had an awareness. I just think, I think we we took too long to speak with a unified voice, and we've just got there now. Yeah, and LSD is a problem that's sort of gone into the background, hasn't it? With the with the FMD emergence, LSD, which was spoken about constantly about six weeks ago, has hardly been heard of lately. Well, that, and that's. That, and that one's the bigger risk factor of actually getting in. It if is. you look at the assessment, like I said to you before, um, you know, FMD's gone from nine percent to eleven point six percent as a risk assessment over the same time frame of this reassessment. FMD, uh, sorry, LSD's gone from eight percent risk um, to twenty eight percent. So, yeah, yeah that's that, that's a big concern. That one, and it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not one we can actually do much control. That's the other scary thing. A big, uh, and, and that's what Matt said's one hundred percent right. FMD will come in through through a capital city. So all we've got to do is get a firefighter, hose everyone down with dead oil and we're right. But <laughs> LSD can just blow in. Yeah, or orange juice, mate, as they're doing. Uh, well, whatever you want to throw in, it's making a difference. DDT, exactly. Now, now look, um, uh, LSD, lumpy skin disease, I've been told that it's um, a matter of when, not if, whereas FMD is a matter of uh, if, not when. Yeah, that'd be a fair assessment. I think, um, it, it, look, it, it, lumpy skin, it, it's got to probably get a bit closer. It is in just Sumatra, so that's probably a fraction still far away, but it's watching the spread of it, you know, it has been slowly spreading further south and east. So if it gets closer to Australia, that's when it becomes a, a much more significant risk. Um, I mean, it already is at 28%, of course, but um, the closer it gets because of the way it is airborne and insect-borne, um, that's going to that's gonna be the thing to watch. We'll probably have a bit of insight to see it, see it creeping across Indonesia before it probably gets here, but it's one of those ones that feels a bit like an unstoppable tide. And I'm going to give you a quarter of a million dollars each, and I'm going to ask <laughs> I don't you... I know to... whether I'd come back to that, uh, Terry. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to buy some livestock. You can invest forward contracts. You can buy it at the yard this week or, or do what you like. Uh, Chris, where's, where um, are you spending your 250? Are you buying cattle or sheep? I'm, I'm stacking merino lambs as hard as I can find them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Chris on the lamb job there. I think. Wow. I mean, cattle cattle's come off too a bit, but I think lambs even more overdone. Um, so yeah, I'd be I'd be looking at lamb too. And, what, and and the thing for me, Kerry, yeah, is that God forbid something does happen, a merino lamb, I can put it out, and if something happens. I leave it out there till it's a two-year-old, three-year-old. I get a clip of wool off it every eight months, 12 yeah, months. Yeah. At least it keeps paying the bills, whether it's got lamb's teeth or it's got six teeth. Yeah, and the fecundity is pretty handy as well, isn't it? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so what are you going to do, breed your way out of trouble? No, 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 you just shear your way out of trouble, but uh, yeah. at least at least you've got something to do. You're not looking at lambs that, oh, my God, they're going to cut their teeth in the market. Yeah. Similar reasoning for you, Matt? Yeah, no, that's true. Or from that perspective, the other thing you could consider would be goats if you're going to be really adventurous. Goats, yeah, wow. We've always been spoken of goats for the last fifty years. Everyone's talking about goats. Now, look, uh, last last words. What's your observations for the weeks weeks ahead? Oh, look, I've been I've been saying it for a while. Actually, I think we're starting to see a bit of a climb in pricing, but it's really just a matter of how long before this nervousness abates. Um, we've just put out a thing on Thomas Alder Markets. Overnight, just looking at that, the Indonesians seem to be getting on top of their FMD spread um, in a similar way. They, you know, UK got on top of it, so I wouldn't be surprised in the next week or so that people start to realise that FMD, it, while it's a threat 
there's been an overreaction, and I, I think we're going to start to see you know people get a bit more confident, and maybe prices start to climb again. So you're saying the market has bottomed? Oh, I reckon I reckon we're not far off. It's, yeah, and then and obviously it's a bit of a risky one, to, <laughs> just because you're trying to measure people's fear rather than measuring the economics. And you've just, but, um, and, and you know, just yes, yeah. and you just spent that quarter of a million dollars as well, uh, Chris. You reckon? I reckon we get the third week of August. We see a bit of sun, and I'm with Matt. I reckon the confidence will come back in. There'll be people looking at paddock going, shit, the grass is growing, there's an opportunity. And I reckon we'll start to see the market. I'm not saying it's going to jump, but it's going to start to start to move upwards a bit. Um, lamb might take a little bit longer, but in saying that, the lambs you're buying at the end of August, you're not looking to sell them in the middle of September. You're going to carry them through until probably Christmas time anyway. Chris Harry from Stockco and Matty Dalgalese from Thomas Elder Market. It's been uh, great again, men. We'll talk again in a few weeks' time. Okay. Thanks, Kerry. Bye. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is the Weekly Grill brought to you by Alenko Animal Health and the Kelly's Finance Group.